Culture. If you were to describe in one word something that defines or describes a Christian, what would it be? Um, clothing. Clothing. Jesus. Jesus. Attitude. Attitude. Language. Language. Actions. Actions. Body language. Body language. That's two words. <laughs> Perspective. Ooh. Friends, yeah. So there are there are big differences between Christians and non-Christians, and this is not because we think that we're better than anyone else. Rather, it's the the, the basis of this lifestyle is found in Romans chapter twelve, a scripture that I'm sure you guys have heard before. But it says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what a living sacrifice." Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed. We talked about this last week or a couple weeks ago. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. transformed. And so because of this call that we have in Romans, our lifestyle, our thoughts, our attitudes, our perspectives, our clothing, our friends, all of these things just might be counterculture or completely opposite of what's normal in society or culture. Now, Christians live differently because our minds have been renewed, amen? amen? But because our mind is renewed, sometimes the way that we think is going to be different. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Come out from among them and be separate. Everyone say separate. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will Receive you. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Pursue, everyone say peace. peace. Pursue, pursue peace with all people and holiness, which, uh, which without which no one will see the Lord. This verse by itself, this, the first two words in this scripture right here, immediately puts you in contrast with sometimes what's normal. Because it's easy for us to walk down the, the hallway or, you know, walk down, you know, the street on the sidewalk. Not the middle of the street. <laughs> and because our lifestyle is different or we have a different set of beliefs with someone, it's okay to be not at peace with them and be not friends with them and we hate them and they hate us and that's just who we are because they're in a different group of people. But this, this challenges that. It says pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with Biden supporters. Pursue peace with Trump supporters. Pursue peace with the LGBTQ community. Pursue peace. It doesn't mean condone them. It doesn't mean behave like them. But we're pursuing a peaceful lifestyle. That makes us countercultural. Because we're pursuing them. 1 John 2 15 through 17, talked about this verse many times. But this is Satan's attack plan. Verse 15, it starts, Do not love the world or the things in the world. 
For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, number one, number say number one. Lust of the flesh, say number two. Lust of the eyes, say number three. Pride of life. One, two, three. Number one is the lust of the flesh. Number two is lust of the eyes. Number three is the pride of life. Now, these sins, these avenues for living, are going to be different depending on your worldview. And there will be moments in culture where you have different disagreements between people on different things. Now, can someone tell me what is the best, the absolute best Starbucks, or uh, Starbucks, yeah, Starburst flavor? Who said pineapple? Pineapple? All right. So if I were to ask you, do you believe that the best Starburst, burst, can't say the words, the Starburst, 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 flavor is pineapple? Okay, so you believe that's true. Awesome. What do you, what do you think of it? No, pink. Pink, the flavor of pink. I like that. So do you believe the best color of Starburst is pink? Absolutely. Without a doubt? Without a doubt. Awesome. Your truth is different than his truth. Yeah. Why is that? Because I have better taste. <laughs> <laughs> she said you have better taste. not like Starburst. Okay, so if I were to ask you what's the best Starburst flavor, what would you say? None of them. None of them. You don't like any of them. So your truth is different than her truth, which is different than his truth. Yeah. So who's right? (laughs) It's a matter of opinion, right? Yeah. I think that it's better. Now, if I were to ask you how many keys are on this keyboard, like... One, two, oh, it's not on. One, two, three, four. How many different keys are on the keyboard? Like 66. Ladies, it's 66. 88. 88, max is 88. Anyone want to take any other guesses? Who wants to take a guess? Basil. Probably wrong, but I'm going with 72. Love the confidence. <laughs> 72, 66, 88. Anyone else want to take a guess? Seven. At least seven. Seven. <laughs> seven. Seventy-six. Seventy-six. Okay, we've got seven, seventy-two, seventy-six, sixty-six, or eighty-eight. Anyone? Anyone have a strong opinion on which one you think it is? But hang, hang on a second. Lainey believes that it's sixty-six. Does that mean that she's wrong? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it actually does mean that she's wrong. Yeah. So, so Enrique seems to believe that there's seven keys. That is wrong. Is he wrong or is he right? He's definitely wrong. So, there are there are 88 keys on this keyboard. Um, but here is the different the different flavors or colors of of Starburst. That's a matter of opinion. All right, but the the number of keys on this keyboard that's a matter of fact. Like I don't, I mean, I, I can. The beauty of America is you can you can be wrong if you want to. 
you can believe all you want. There's there's seven keys. Yeah. That's that's great. You can believe that. You're entitled to your own opinion. You're not right though. Okay. And so what I want to I want to explain tonight what I want you to see when this 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 idea of being countercultural is truth is our standard for righteousness, not opinion. Truth is our standard for righteousness, not opinion. So what is truth? What's true for you? Anyone ever heard this? What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. What if my truth says yours is a lie? I believe the best I'm with Melina on this one. The best star, Starburst flavor is pink. Yes. I don't enjoy the pineapple one. We're, we're team pink. Let me see it. Here we go. Majority rules. This is democracy. You have to eat the pink Okay. What if, what if my truth says that yours... So we have to define what truth is, and it can't be... Allie's opinion. Jada, I think you're pretty awesome. But your opinion doesn't matter as much as God's word. I can't, I, I can't deny that fact. John 1, 1. Let's look at the scripture. In the beginning, everyone's read this together. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. All right, so we, we're establishing a, a baseline of truth here, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14. Let's read this together. I think I got verse 14 up there. This is what it says. And the Word became flesh. Everyone say flesh. And dwelt among us. Who became flesh and dwelt among us? Jesus. Hmm. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So our worldview must be founded on the only source of truth, which is the beginning of the word, on a, on a person, Jesus. It has to be. We do not interpret the Bible through the lens of culture. We interpret culture through the lens of the Bible. That's good. And so I've heard uh, pastors, crazy people, good statement in general, they're pretty much crazy people, but I've heard people that are like cray-cray, and they say things like, you know what, God adapts to culture, and culture changes, and so God changes too. That sounds wonderful. It sounds great. The problem is it's wrong. <laughs> That's the problem. The problem with that theology is it's not accurate. It's like pineapple is the best flavor. That's great. That's your opinion, but it's not true. <laughs> Sorry. We'll pray about it later. And so we are at war with culture. Are we not? We're at war with culture. Ephesians 6.12. Finally, my brethren, for we be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Next verse. Put on. Actually, uh, go to go to twelve first. We'll come back to it. We do not wrestle. Everyone say wrestle. Who wrestles with a sibling? All right, sweet. So we don't wrestle. Wrestle. Against flesh and blood, like at home with our siblings. But against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, heavenly places. So that person that looks different than you, we're not actually wrestling against them. The, the person that talks a little bit different, they're not the problem. What's happening in the spiritual realm, that's the problem. And we have to address that. All right. And so, since this is a spiritual battle, our weaponry must also be spiritual. And so, I'm going to break this down just a little bit, and then we're, we're not going to be super long tonight. But I do want to go back to verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, my brothers. I don't know why sometimes I read scriptures and I'm like, it just comes out. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. This is not saying that you've got to be strong in your own power. But be strong in his power. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. If we have to be involved in a spiritual fight, we need carnal armor, right? No. We need spiritual. Thank you. We need spiritual armor. The problem is we try to put on carnal armor. That's what we call no bueno. We try, to, we try to respond to spiritual things with carnal behavior. And so there's a, there's, you, you feel this tension in the spirit, and all of a sudden we're rude to that person. That's carnal armor. We're trying to respond to a spiritual matter without prayer. We're, we're, we're not fasting. We're not, we're not ingesting the scriptures. We just want to fix it in our flesh. That's carnal armor. And so for spiritual battles, we need spiritual armor. Does that make sense? Say yes. yes. So what is spiritual armor? I'm so glad you asked. Because we're going to continue. You say to yourself, self, how can I put on spiritual armor? And we're just going to continue right along. Verse number 12. Okay, we talked about this one. Make sense? Cool? Yeah. Okay, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Not carnal armor, okay? Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day having done all to, having, and having done all to stand. Verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Everyone say truth. Truth. Where we run into carnal problems, we try to put on a belt or have our waist girded with opinions. And when we have our, our uh, waist girded, make sure I had said that right, when we have our waist girded with opinions, sometimes those fly out on social media really quickly. 
And truth takes a little longer to, to digest because everyone is ready with their opinions so quickly before we have all the facts. And even a, even a situation of like so-and-so said this about so-and-so. You know, like, well, I think that da 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 instead of like waiting for like, what is the truth about the situation? Let me actually talk to them. Okay, so that's, that's on, you know, the really surface level. But getting a little bit more on the spiritual level, when we have opinions about God's word and we are girded with opinions, that doesn't protect us. But when we are girded with truth, we are protected. And so we can pray, help me, God, to be firmly planted in truth today. I don't want to build my life on opinions. I want to build my life on, on biblical truth. Right. Yeah. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Everyone say righteousness. righteousness. What does a, a breastplate do in, when you think about armor? It covers your chest. It covers your chest. What is the organ like around here? Check your heart. Hmm. Everyone say check your heart. Sometimes we just got to check our hearts. Because we're really worked up about something. And sometimes I need Evelyn to say, check your heart. Because I'm like really worked up about, I can't believe, can you, can you, yeah, I come like kicking in the door and I kick Bailey and Crema and I'm just, I'm just kicking, I don't know why I'm all of a sudden kicking things and kicking dogs. I don't think I've ever kicked any, anyone on purpose. <laughs> um, but if I were to come just like flying off the handle and I'm kicking things, she would be like, you need to check your heart. I think maybe you're a little upset unrighteously. And sometimes we get so hung up on being hurt. We've talked about hurt and offense and bitterness. Don't drink the poison. Remember we talked about that a few months ago. We get so hung up on these things. But when we put on the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, it protects our heart. Because there are going to be things that happen to you at school this year that's going to hurt your heart. There's going to be things that happen to you this school year in your home. People say something, even, even could be mom, could be dad, say something out of anger, and it hurts your heart. So we can pray, God, help me to keep on the breastplate of righteousness because I want to protect my heart this year. I want to live a righteous lifestyle. That's going to put me a little bit into this world of being countercultural. I might look a little bit different. That might feel a little bit different. So God, protect my heart. I don't want to take in the things that they're taking in. My life's going to look different. So help protect my heart. Does that make sense? Verse 15, and having shod your feet with a preparation of the gospel of peace. Can I say something a little bit cheesy, but I really mean it? Yes. Yeah. Just, just give me a little bit of grace that it's going to sound a little bit cheesy, but I mean it, okay? When you're wearing your gospel shoes, we are protected from stumbling into deception. Yeah. Sounds a little bit cheesy. But do you have your gospel shoes on? Yeah. When we're prepared with the gospel, we are not going to easily stumble into deception right. or the lies of the enemy. That's good. 
because we know the word, and when we're ready with the word, sometimes sometimes we'll be getting uh, ready for church, and Elsie will not want to wear her shoes, and so she's a little mobile child, and you know she gets in she gets in the car with no with no um, you know shoes on. That's fine. But there are other times where it's raining outside, where it's, that's not really an option. Or it's going to be cold here pretty soon, that's not really an option to go out with no, you know, with no shoes on. So we have to get her shoes on. There are other times that she <coughs> wants to put on her shoes by herself or her boots, and she's ready to go. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. It, it makes leaving a little bit easier because she's ready to go. When you're in a conversation with someone, and you've already studied one of those frequently asked questions that Christians get sometimes, you already know you're already, you're already ready to give an answer. This is what it means to be having our feet shot with the preparation of the gospel piece, ready to go. I'm ready with that answer. I'm ready to give a, uh, an answer for the hope that I have. We are prepared. And so if you're just hoping no one asks you this school year, how come you look a little different? If you're hoping no one asks you, feet aren't ready to go. If you're hoping no one asks you why you don't drink alcohol, feet aren't ready to go. Let's put the gospel shoes on. Put on your shoes. That takes study. That takes time investing in your own walk. And guess what? If you need some help, let's go. We'll help you. We've got a whole youth team ready to go. You want to... You have a Bible study talk on why we look different or why we talk different, why we talk to one of these team members. We're, we'll, we'll have, we're happy to talk about that with you. We got people ready to shine your shoes. All right, all right. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, everyone say faith. <coughs> with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Here's what's cool. A shield is mobile. You put, you put a, a breastplate on, it's, it's stationary. You're not going to really move a whole lot that, that, you know, with that. But when you're operating in faith, it's going to give you an opportunity to move and anticipate the fiery darts of the enemy. Because every one of you, the enemy has a very strategic plan. Kill, steal, destroy that, that's his plan for you to school And so there's a very specific targeted arrow that he has for you. So if you can walk in faith and anticipate these things, guess what? You can move and adjust. Yeah. And so I encourage you, in your prayer time this year, today, tonight, this week, God, help me walk in faith. I want to anticipate the plan of the enemy. I want to anticipate the fiery darts of the enemy. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Your salvation does more than just get you into heaven. It protects what's up here. Because sometimes we can verbalize what we believe, but we go back at home and we struggle with the same thoughts. Sometimes we can live out our faith at school, but we lay down at bed at night and we struggle up here. It's the same salvation. It delivers us from, from hell, yes. 
But guess what? It delivers you from your own mind sometimes. Because there are times where in my head, it's like this, this never-ending cycle. Like, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. I'm always strong enough, but... <laughs> it's, that same, it's that same cyclical voice that meets you every morning when you get up. Your sal- Pray that prayer. God, help me to put on the helmet of salvation today because I want to protect my thoughts. And then lastly, verse, part of verse 17. Uh, yeah, go back to 17, sorry. And the sword of the Spirit. Everyone say the Spirit. Spirit. Bless you. The Bible, the sword of the Spirit, it says, which is the Word of God. This is the only offensive um, armor. It's the only offensive armor is the, is the, is the sword, the Word of God. It doesn't say use your opinions, does it? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Bible is our only offensive weapon. And so my encouragement would be use your sword. Know your sword. Know how to use a sword. Know how to use a Bible to find answers to basic questions. And if you don't know how to do that, we're here to help. But what we don't want is for you to graduate surge, graduate high school, and become you know, a hyphen, one of those old people, and say, oh man, I don't even know how to look things up in the Bible. We don't want that for you. We want you to be able to know how to use a sword. All right. Lastly, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this, and with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. If you're wondering, how can I pray? How do I commit to a lifestyle of prayer? My encouragement would be, start with this every day. Pray through the armor of God every day. Pray through the armor of God every day. And if you need a refresher, I guarantee you, just go, go through Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And Pray it out loud. Read it out loud. And then every, every verse, stop and ask yourself, what does this mean? How can I actually apply this to my life this week? How is this going to affect my school this week? What, is, what does that look like? All right, let's all stand. We are going to, I'm going to pray, and then we are going to break up into small groups. And I'll explain that in a little bit. But let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you.